everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Caffeine and Carrots. Uh, excited to have you here. I have with me today uh, Shannon Nishi. Uh, she's Director of Customer Success over at Customer.io. So Shannon, uh, if you would, just tell us a little bit more about uh, yourself or your role and, and uh, what Customer.io offers. Yeah, thanks for the intro, Joe. I'm happy to be here today. And I have my caffeine as well. I made a cup of coffee special for this. So perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as you mentioned, I'm the uh, Director of Customer Success at Customer.io, which is a messaging automation software used by marketers and product teams uh, and, and really making it centralizing your, your data so that you can message your customers at the right time, at the right place, in the right channel, and using all of that personalized data in real time. Uh, I have been with Customer.io since July of 2020. Uh, so in that time, we've seen a lot of growth on the team uh, as our company has continued to grow, as our product has continued to grow, and our customer base as well. Awesome. That's that's awesome. Well, today, you know, we've been talking a little bit about um, best practices and scaling our customer success teams and what that looks like and uh, sort of, uh, you know, some strategies uh, as far as doing that as well as identifying and executing on expansion opportunities. So uh, just to kind of uh, kick that off a little bit, um, you know, what are some of the things, you know, as we as we are kind of fully into 2023 now, are you noticing any trends or, or uh, you know, new things surfacing as far as, you know, challenges to your CS team or expanding the team, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one one challenge that our team has that I think everybody's experiencing to different degrees now is just the idea of scaling the customer success team to be able to do more with less and really being able to use automation and tooling to your benefit so that your your CSMs, your individual contributors can contribute all of their strategic knowledge, all of their manual efforts where they're going to have the biggest impact uh, and not, you know, trying to replicate manual processes over and over and over again, but really getting in and having the meaningful conversations with customers uh, that help them grow their product and making that more accessible to everybody at, at all tiers of the business. Um, so I would say, you know, that's something that's top of mind for us just as we continue to grow quickly and our product keeps um, broadening and we keep seeing different uh, customers with new use cases that are a fit. So as we take on more and more our teams also have to figure out how to keep up with that and, and make sure that we're maintaining a great experience for all of our customers. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess, you know, one thing that that we've kind of heard from, from uh, the market and our customers as well is just uh, the challenges of, of efficiency, uh, kind of like you, you alluded um, doing more with less in some cases or expanding the size of a CSM's account portfolio um, so, you know, that's, that's definitely something that's resonating, I think with, with the market at large, especially when, you know, you have everything coming down from even big tech, as far as, you know, um, uh, budget consciousness and, and, um, some, you know, uh, some limitations there and some challenges. So, um, how are you guys currently tackling just the efficiency part of it? Or like you said, kind of, um, uh, making the most uh, of your time. What does that look like for you all? I think one of the biggest changes that we put in place over the last year is just standardizing and structuring our onboarding program more. Uh, so, you know, when I came onto the team, 
there were, I think four people on the team and I was, I was hired with three other people. So we made seven. So Mm -hmm. when you're that small, it's really easy for everybody to kind of have their own spin on things and maybe uh, approaches things a little bit differently, which is great because you're able to try out a lot of things and it's easy to communicate with that small group of people and quickly change. Once you get to a team size of around 25, which is where we are, it's much harder to do those things. And so it does become really important that you standardize things to some extent to um, create structure and give people the tools they need and make sure that, you know, you're able to onboard people quickly to, to add members to the team and that um, we're going to be able to guarantee success for the customers. So uh, for us, that that started with looking at our onboarding program and what that looked like. And, you know, we definitely saw a, a big chunk of our customers that were maybe on, so we have self-service um a self-service tier where customers aren't working with customer success, but on our contracted plans uh, that do work with a customer success manager, we were seeing that sometimes on the the lower end of those contracts, uh, customers were really heavily leveraging the CSM in the first 90 days to get onboarded. And, you know, they're trying to learn the product. They want all the insider tips and tricks. And then once they're in there and they're familiar with the way our product works and our vocabulary, uh, they don't need the customer success manager nearly as much. And especially for some of those, you know, SMB businesses that don't have really high growth expectations, you know, they're able to kind of put things in place and maybe they're slowly iterating, but they're not taking on brand new use cases every couple of months, they weren't necessarily leveraging the customer success services beyond that. So by us focusing on a 90-day onboarding program, we've also been able to just package that and sell that individually outside of the ongoing customer success program. So instead of allocating a customer success resource to a plan for an entire year, when we are pretty sure they're only going to need us for the first 90 days, we can be a little bit smarter about saying like, okay, let's just have a, a customer work with a customer success manager as an onboarding specialist. And then beyond that, we're moving into a a pooled customer success model for those customers in particular. And that way, our customer success managers that, you know, are working with customers on a more long-term basis are able to focus on the ones that have really high um, growth and that have really ambitious goals that they're going after and be that strategic eye and help um, figure out which parts of our product are going to play best into that strategy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So basically being strategic about deploying your resources, right? Um, you know, and what we hear a lot as well is is time is is obviously a commodity. Uh, it's kind of your most precious resource in a lot of ways. So how you're able to uh, be strategic about where you spend your time, where you allocate those resources. Um, I think a lot of that uh, hinges on the ability in some ways to uh, sort of segment your customers, like intelligently segment, uh, dynamically segment customers. So that segmentation kind of plays a key role so that you can see which customers are, you know, need you the most, where do you need to spend the most time? And I think, you know, certainly maybe you guys have experienced this, but, you know, a lot of what I hear is, you know, as a, as you just get started with a CS team, you're really small, you're developing your processes, you know, you, you realize maybe early on that there is some need for segmentation, you know, but it's pretty rudimentary uh, as far as, okay, we have small customers, we have large customers, or maybe we have an in-between SMB or something. Um, and maybe it's just based on number of users or something, something very easy to define and specific. But as the CS organization matures a little bit, it, and especially as you guys grow, uh, there 
there you know is revealed to be a need of uh, intelligence segmentation. Sometimes that might be by vertical or by uh, business unit or product line, or sometimes it's user behavior or a combination of all of those things. So I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. Is that something y'all have experienced as well? Or um, what is what does that look like for, for customer IO so far? Yeah. And I, I think what you are uh, illustrating there is just the number of ways that you can segment <laughs> as well. And I think that often becomes a challenge of like, well, what does make sense? Uh, and there's, a, I think, a few different ways to think about this. And um, when it comes to segmentation, I think it's super important to align with the rest of the business as well and see how we're segmenting across product and how we're segmenting across sales as well, and that we're all kind of on the same page as that. So when we look at like an organizational level, I think oftentimes for us, the way we're segmenting is based on those plan types. I mentioned we have a self-service plan. Um, so, you know, looking at those self-service customers, what they're getting out of the product uh, we have a, a whole product squad that's focused on how do we make those self-service customers even more self-sufficient and get make sure that they have the resources they need. So even though customer success isn't working with that segment of customers, that's also something that's really important to my team because as the growth squad does that work to enable self-service customers, that also enables uh, all of the customer success teams as well to be doing more with the customer strategically and less about hand-holding through the product. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that's that's kind of an important way that we just align organizationally and same thing for our, our CS managed plans as well and looking at what are the needs of these customers going to be, how do those differ based on the kind of plan that they're working with, and then how do we make sure that our sales process is aligning with our what we're offering uh, from the CS side, and then how are we supplementing that experience or really driving the experience from the product side. Um, and so uh, I, I think that's kind of the first way that comes to mind. Um, but apart from that, too, I think, you know, when we just look at our team, one thing that's been really important to me as we started to grow and hire more is making sure that we diversified on the customer success team as much as possible when it comes to our individual contributors so that we can start to experiment with some of that segmentation and figure out what sticks, you know, because when you hire a bunch of people that have different backgrounds, different things that they're really good at, um, it, it allows people to kind of find those those niches and then you can figure out like, okay, where does this make sense to replicate across the business? Because we're seeing a lot of momentum happening here. We're seeing that outcomes are really positive and uh, this is easy to replicate versus, you know, you might have somebody that's really interested in something uh, and you're like, like a particular industry comes to mind, for example, they may become a great resource on the team, but as you start to see that person learn and do more and create more material, you, material, you might realize it doesn't really make sense for us to segment uh, this way across the business because it'll become really hard for us to forecast capacity. And we're really kind of like limiting these people in that uh, vertical. So uh, you know, I think just keeping a constant pulse on it, but leaving yourself open to the opportunities and tracking what are those things that really stick out as like, yes, this is something that we can do and we should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. That I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and that kind of touches on something that, you know, we here at Smart Carrot have seen and kind of built our our own philosophy around, which is just this idea of democratizing the customer success function in general. You know, so like you touched on, um, you know, aligning business wide, uh, you know, aligning objectives, uh, you know, initiatives, business initiatives, you know, having that true North Star and have, having everyone aligned around that 
Um, so what, what does that really mean? I mean, I think for us and what we've heard is that uh, basically giving everyone access to the same data, same insights, really, um, you know, meaningful information across the board. Um, and just, I think, you know, kind of like you mentioned, that generally results in better business outcomes, having that team-wide access and implementation of customer success initiatives. Um, and especially like you described, you know, as you guys grow and you mature as a CS organization, um, you know, it, it you have increased specialization of roles, you know, uh, we all know, like, you know, startups, you kind of wear a lot of different hats, you do a lot of different things that are well beyond your, your job title. But yeah, as, as you grow and, and you expand, uh, you have that increased need for specialization. And, and with that, though, conversely, you run that risk of siloing people and data as well. So, you know, you have implementation managers now, you have CSMs, you may have account managers or other people involved, product, sales even, um, you know, maybe to close some of the expansion opportunities or what have you. So, yeah, it just becomes really, really important that everybody has access to the same insights about their customers and uh, is, is clear on the overall business objectives. You know, how are you guys cross-functionally collaborating and you need a way to uh, a platform uh, to, to do that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that that brings up a, a lot of interesting points, uh, you know, um, and it's, it's really cool to hear it in practice, uh, you know, what you're describing. Um, and, and that kind of is a good segue, I think, to talk a little bit about one of those main business objectives, I think, that have, has been more and more prevalent. Um, I, 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 at least that's what I've seen. And that's just identifying and executing on those expansion opportunities, you know. So, again, you know, in the current climate, I, I think I heard a stat that was something like, you know, it costs around five times more uh, to uh, bring on uh, new net revenue as opposed to uh, expanding existing accounts. So, uh, I think that investors and businesses alike have really seen that and are doubling down now on increasing that you know, that uh, net recurring revenue. Um, so I'm just curious to get your thoughts. Is that something that y'all have seen at customer IO or, or is that something your team is dealing with as well? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, we're in somewhat of a unique position in that our, our tool isn't feature gated based on plan, for example. So when we think about expansion opportunities, it's really all driven by customer volume by how many people they're contacting in the platform. And so as their business grows, our business grows, right? Um, so when customer success managers are kind of identifying those opportunities, it's happening in parallel with the conversations they're having because as their initiatives grow, as they're looking to uh, cast a wider net with their audiences that they're contacting, uh, then naturally comes the opportunity too to increase their plan and and the number of contacts that are coming with that. Uh, so we actually made the decision um, a couple of years ago now to split out a, a contracts team from the rest of the, the core customer success function. So we have a central group of four or five people that are actually managing the renewals as well as taking over any uh, expansion or um, you know, early renewal opportunities that come up based on growth. Mm -hmm. uh, and the customer success manager is really setting those opportunities up for success by making recommendations to the customer and letting the contracts team know where the customer is getting value out of the platform and what their um, growth looks like based on their conversations. But then the contract team is able to come in and actually negotiate pricing and uh, get all of the logistics in place to get 
a signature on an agreement that kind of detract from the customer success manager's role as really an advocate for the customer and really their skill set, which is to focus on strategic initiatives and product adoption and gathering feedback and, you know, managing risk. Uh, so separating out that function has had a pretty big impact on our team. Um, and I think the other thing that comes to mind that uh, I'm starting to work with the contracts team on now as well is with having a self-service plan, we have all this opportunity too to get people into our pipeline to upgrade on to a contracted plan that have kind of already like self-selected us as their vendor and have done a lot of the vetting themselves. So it's super efficient for us to have conversations with these people that have already been using our product sometimes for years uh, that might just need a little bit more service from the customer success size or might be at a volume where it makes sense for them monetarily to sign a 12-month agreement with them. Uh, and we can get, you know, more of those premium benefits in place for them. Well, that's, yeah, that's super interesting. I, and, and what you're describing there is something that, frankly, I haven't thought a lot about before uh, is, as far as, you know, certainly we we see teams who, where the CSMs are in charge of, um, you know, all the other use cases, but also in addition to that, closing new revenue and expanding the accounts. But you bring up a, an interesting point um, where it can, it almost seems like it can, it can come across as a conflict of interest, maybe, uh, where you're trying to sell uh, additional services or upgrade or expansion, upsell, whatever. Um, but at the same time, you know, that can come across as is uh, uh, being, you know, uh, salesy, right? Like you're, you're trying to get them to pay more. Um, so whereas you're supposed to be the customer advocate. Um, so that's that's very interesting um, and something, like I said, I hadn't thought a lot about before. Um, but that kind of bring, you know, brings back or drives home the point about, uh, you know, specialization of roles. Like you said, it's, it's even in some cases, a different skill set. Um, that's also why in some cases we see sales come in and take over or, or account managers, um, or in your case, yeah, it's contract team. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think that that's uh, great information. Um, now I guess, you know, I'm curious to hear more about, you know, the, the specialization of roles, uh, makes a lot of sense to me, but how do you, you know, the CSMs are still kind of surfacing those opportunities to the contract team, right? So what does that look like for y'all? I mean, uh, you know, I, I can think of a number of different ways that I've seen, but I'm curious to, to hear, you know, what constitutes an opportunity or how are your CSMs? Uh, identifying those opportunities? How are they setting up the contract team for success, if that makes sense? Yeah, definitely. So our, our CSMs um, have some visibility into, you know, the usage that's happening on the product side as well. So our CSMs might get an alert that says like, hey, we're seeing that this, this account is um, increasing rapidly and that their product usage is getting to a point where maybe it is going to make more sense for them to upgrade to a new plan. In fact, they're probably going to actually save money by doing that because they may be incurring overage costs. So uh, the CSM can kind of start that conversation and figure out what's going on with the customer. Is this a permanent thing or is this something that, you know, maybe we just need to help them um, get get their volumes under control and maybe clean some stuff up a little bit. So the CSM is, is able to kind of do some initial vetting there. And then once they realize like, oh, okay, this actually is an opportunity um, to get them on a new plan that's going to be a better fit for everyone. Uh, at that point, they would put together some initial information about how they got to that point and pass that off to a contract specialist. 
Um, but those are coming up in conversation regularly as well. Like we do quarterly success check-ins with all of our customers, which is, you know, very similar to a QBR where we're kind of going through the newer features on the tool and maybe talking about um, what's coming up on our roadmap so that we can uh, make sure that we're aligning with our customers and their needs. Uh, so yeah, with, with those as well, uh, it very naturally comes up where a customer might say like, Hey, we're actually using a very similar tool on the product side and we're the marketing team. And, um, you know, there may be an opportunity to consolidate here. And so finding those opportunities too, just in regular conversation by engaging on whatever their overarching strategic goals are, a lot of stuff surfaces that way that maybe hadn't even come to mind for, uh, our points of contact until we have those conversations. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Those those quarterly reviews are always very important. Those regular cadences, uh, of course, you have to maintain. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in that, but you also touched on, I think, a lot of what we hear about too, which is, uh, you know, uh, basically I'll call them intent signals, right? So um, user behavior, uh, just, you know, measuring product engagement or adoption in some cases, or uh, license utilization, or however it is you're me measuring utilization. Um, that's kind of one of the, the reasons we um, decided to introduce something we call smart ops, which is just using some AI to surface some of these intent signals, um, you know, to just talking about engagement, comparing it to industry standard benchmarks, you know, on average, we see X amount percent or percent increase in, in adoption uh, for, you know, preceding an upsell or preceding a renewal. Uh, same thing with, you know, risk intelligence and that sort of thing. So um, I think that, you know, the genesis of a lot of that was that, you know, yes, we're, I think teams are becoming more sophisticated in terms of the data that they have access to. Um, but the converse of that is that there's a whole lot of data, right? There's a whole lot of noise in some cases. So how do you separate that signal from the noise? Um, and how do you, how do you make that data meaningful? How do you contextualize it? How do you provide it in a time, you know, at the right time? Um, so, yeah, that that was that was the idea behind uh, uh, smart ops, um, and I'm sure you guys are are dealing with similar, you know, uh, data congestion in some cases. You know, so just curious to get your thoughts on that. Is that something that you, that y'all have encountered as well, or what does that look like for your team? Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, there's also varying levels of access to different types of data too. True. So, um, yeah. I I think you know this may sound super old school, but we just, the way that we kind of started out by doing this is blocking every, all the CSMs on the team would block one day a month where they would kind of go in and do account reviews and figure out, okay, what are the things that I need to be proactively reaching out on? Because this is kind of an indicator that maybe something is a little bit wonky or I can provide value to the customer here, or maybe this thing is happening and the customer doesn't even know. So we, we sort of manually started vetting the things that were going to be meaningful and, and have been able to kind of gauge over a period of time, like what is uh, what results in the outcomes that we're looking for. So that's a way that we could kind of start a list. But there is certainly an endless amount of data. And, and I think some of the trick is, too, is like what's happening that we don't even know about that we haven't thought about, like is there a feature in our tool that actually indicates that somebody is a power user and, and those accounts are more likely to renew? Like, how are we supposed to know what that feature is without the data? So yeah. I think now, yeah, we are starting to experiment and explore with more and more of these AI tools where you can just pump 
all of your data feeds into one place and compare it against your revenue data or your usage data and see like what is really driving these outcomes. And is that something then that we can foster from a CS perspective um, and also be being able to focus on those accounts that are um, healthy for growth and then the, the accounts that aren't mirroring those behaviors as at-risk uh, accounts, how do we put playbooks in place to mitigate that risk? Sure, absolutely. And this is something I don't know uh, that you, you kind of triggered uh, in, as you were as you were talking. One thing I've noticed is, um, is again, especially as uh, the uh, CS teams uh, grow and and the, they themselves are expanding and becoming more sophisticated, is I've seen some some mirroring of of what sales teams have done which is having ops like a CS ops, uh, whether it's a single person or, or multiple uh, uh, people in, de- in the department, just like traditionally you ha- in, in larger organizations, more mature organizations, you have an established sales ops team uh, who is kind of in charge of the data side of it, of uh, logistical uh, stuff, you know, pipeline uh, review and management, things like that. Where on the CS side, it takes the form of trying to spot those trends. You know, I think we we're doing some of that with the AI, um, but there's still always uh, a place for human, you know, involvement in in that as well. I think where uh, just creative thinking and 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 that sort of thing. So yeah, we we're actually seeing more and more CS ops personnel especially leveraging, you know, the reporting and uh, analytics, business intelligence side of things where uh, establishing patterns or trends, just like you said, you know, um, I wonder if, you know, or, or we've we've realized that a certain amount of engagement with this specific feature really kind of uh, seems to indicate that this uh, kind of account is more likely to renew or this kind of user that we didn't think of traditionally as a power user really is. Uh, or the account is more likely to expand when we can involve these kind of personas that we weren't really targeting before. Um, so I think all of those are, are really great opportunities to uncover new expansion potential and sort of, you know, really, you know, honestly, kind of make the CS team as a whole even that much more important to the overall business outcomes that, that you're trying to achieve. So I, I'm curious to get your take on this, but a lot of what we've heard in the past is um, really some frustration from CS uh, teams or, or uh, CS folks who feel like you know they're asked to do a whole lot by the, from the business side without you know the business side really realizing how much they're asking and without really equipping them with tools or or access to this data or you know uh, hence the rise of CS platforms in general. So I'm just curious, you know. My take on this is that as you guys become more important to the revenue aspect, generating more revenue, um, not just, you know, keeping the customer happy, but actually expanding, you know, getting to target NRR numbers and that sort of thing. Is that something that you've experienced? And does that also give you a path to getting a better seat at the table, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I have to say we're we're pretty lucky as a CS organization here because our our customer our product is uh product growth driven. So sure. yeah. uh, we've been bought into customer success from day one. And so it, it hasn't so much been a question of like proving what is the value that we're bringing to the table, but more that, you know, we're invested in customer success as an organization. Mm-hmm. But I think you're exactly right that, especially from an individual contributor perspective, 
it's important that they know and understand how they're impacting the business and what that looks like. And there's so many ways to look at that. And I, I think one of the complexities that we see as well is that it usually isn't just as simple as, oh, somebody did this action and it resulted in this great thing. There's so many touch points along the line and like it can it can look so many different ways. But I think starting to look for what are those things that are trends that are worth focusing on and not just picking the, the thing of the month that stands out as something that we can do. But what do we see time and time again where we have both qualitative and quantitative data that shows us that, okay, this is engaging from the product side, this is engaging from the customer side, we're getting like valuable insights, and we're also seeing that translate into revenue and longer uh, retention, we're seeing customers renew over and over again, what are those patterns? And so I think it's super important to to find those things. And I think the the ops trend that you mentioned as well is certainly becoming almost a standard, I think, as you look at some larger organizations and it makes so much sense. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. It makes so much sense just from a standpoint that there is so much data to go through. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's something that we're focused on a lot this year as a CS org is, is just how do we put all those pieces together? Yeah, absolutely. And and just taking some of that administrative burden off uh, your 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 individual contributors, you know, um, yeah, and it's, 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 it's very similar, you know, to the sales organizations and mature, organ, you know, in, in mature companies where, yeah, like a lot of the reporting, a lot of the, uh, uh, pipeline maintenance and hygiene and stuff like that, um, data analysis in general is offloaded from your individual contributors. So they can just go do what they need to do. They can, um, be, they can be talking to customers. They can uh, be actually analyzing their own portfolio so that they know where they need to deploy their their time uh, instead of, you know, queuing up a report or to send to management or, you know, uh, helping prepare for a board meeting or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I think that offloading a lot of the administrative burden to from CSMs to whether it's to an ops team or obviously having a platform that enables a lot of this makes it much more efficient and easier in general. Um, I think those are very important, uh, especially like you're talking about. I think this is something that's often overlooked. I think you can probably speak directly to this yourself, but uh, just quality of life improvements for your CSMs, right? Just um, having that sort of job satisfaction, because I know that, you know, uh, something that investors look at more closely now than ever before is, um, you know, uh, employee satisfaction levels. Um, it, it's, it's always been there, but it's becoming more and more important as well. And just, you know, obviously, uh, retention of employees, right? it's, it's costly uh, to have employees, just employee attribution. So, um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious if, if, if that, resonates with with you and you know, being uh, in the trenches, so to speak, yourself. Uh, you know, just curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think something that you touched on there that uh, is also very, a very important element of this is making that data accessible to everyone on your team, because mm -hmm. the people that are going to figure out how to best use that data to do their jobs are the people that are doing the job. So uh, it's kind of this tough balance of you have to kind of shape things in a way that's going to make it easy to work with, but then not prescribing so much that people aren't able to use their creativity and, um, you know, almost be a little bit reactive with it to figure out 
how can we use this in a way that's maybe different than what we envisioned or um, also where are their holes? Because when you, when you give that to somebody and you empower them to pay, hey, explore, see what you can do with this, they're also going to come back with like, well, actually we probably need this thing and this thing that isn't available currently. And if we had that, then we could get a more full picture. Um, so yeah, I think as much as, you know, centralizing is important. It's also just important to empower your teams to understand the tools that they have available to them um, so that they can figure out what's working and what's not. Yeah, exactly. Not just giving them a bunch of data, but also making it meaningful, right? So mm -hmm. definitely always a challenge. Well, I think that's that's a really good uh, summation, Shannon, of, of, you know, some of the challenges like we were talking about of scaling teams and practices as well as identifying and executing on those opportunities. Do you have any closing thoughts that you would like to add uh, or uh, does that pretty much uh, sum it up for you as well? Yeah, no, I, I think that's it. I think, you know, um, scaling is such a complex thing and involves so <laughs> many different factors. And I think often when you hear um, CS leaders talk about scaling their programs, it sounds like we have this amazing immaculate system in place and like we have all the answers, but I think just knowing that Iteration is such a huge part of it and yeah. you're not ever going to get it perfect, but just trying and committing to those areas where you can see room for improvement and then taking that and running with it and uh, continuing to make it work for your customers and keeping them and their journey as the central focus. Absolutely. Couldn't say it better myself. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I hope everybody watching uh, got a lot of value out of this. This is super informative and, and uh, much appreciated, Shannon, for your time. Um, really loved the conversation. And um, yeah, I hope everybody uh, got uh, some value out of this and encourage everybody to uh, comment and add to the conversation as, as we go here. Yeah, great talking with you, Joe. Thanks. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks.